0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers are finally going to get a chance to face off against the Bears. So what kind of team are they going to be meeting on Sunday? Well, it's one that's not all that different from some teams the Bears have put on the field in the relatively recent past. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Muirdick, recording a little bit early this week. It is, as we talk to you, Wednesday afternoon The boss said get out of work early, so that means closing the computer and walking over to a different computer and beginning to record this podcast episode. Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving, which was yesterday, as you're listening to this at least yesterday. I had some nice plans with my family, and now we get to just prepare for the weekend ahead and uh, get ready to play the Bears do a little virtual Black Friday shopping, maybe score some deals, grab some Christmas gifts. I got the big one done. Uh, My wife's Christmas present taken care of already, so that's some good stuff. But in the meantime, we've got a Packers-Bears game to get ready for. And this is kind of weird. Not in that the game itself is weird, but weird that the Packers are playing the Bears for the first time after Thanksgiving. Did a little bit of digging on this it looks like this is the latest time the Packers have played the Bears for the first time in a season since 2005. In 2005, they played the Bears on December 4th for the first time, the 2005 season. And then they played them again 21 days later on Christmas Day. This is the latest it's been since then. And it's pretty rare that the Packers get a chance to play the Bears for the first time this late in the season. As we've mentioned a couple times in the the past couple episodes, The Bears have a bit of a weird finish to the season. Five of their last seven games are against the NFC North. And if you were looking to make a late run for the playoffs, that would put you in pretty good position. Unfortunately for the Bears, they're in a bit of a rough spot right now. They've got some weird stuff going on at quarterback. And just as a a brief aside, this preview may be a little bit shorter for a couple reasons. First, there's a lot we still don't know about the Bears at this point in our recording schedule. We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. Uh, We don't know a couple other things about how they're going to play. David Montgomery just about an hour ago, a little bit more than that, came out of the concussion protocol. Is he going to play or not? Probably, but we'll see. There's still some stuff that has to get sorted out as far as the Bears are concerned, and that could affect this game. It will affect the, the game in a big way on Sunday. Secondly, we don't have all of our polling data finished yet. Uh, because we run those polls on Wednesday. Didn't want to bump it up too early in the week yet, but uh, we'll we'll try to get you those, those numbers as, as well as we can. So that caveat aside, this is a bit of a weird one for the Bears, in part because, like we just said, they don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be yet. And I've been refreshing the news on that as we get ready to record here, just in case something would break and the Bears would make a decision, hey, this is who we're going with. Good luck. As of this recording, we have no idea. Here's what Matt Nagy said earlier in this week. As Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles are both battling injuries, here's what the Bears are. uh, Here's where the Bears are. And keep in mind, they're just coming off a bye week, so they've had this uncertainty for a couple weeks already now. Quote, with both these guys with where they're at and their injuries, That's what we're kind of working through right now to see exactly where they're at. So a word salad to start off right there. The good thing is for us coming off the bye is it happened over the bye for Nick. And now we're able to kind of be day by day, just see where he's at. We're going through and just trying to figure out, okay, health-wise, where are they at? He says, where are they at? Like 15 times in those three and a half sentences. They don't know. They don't have any idea what's going to happen at quarterback. Let's start by just looking at their two main options, though. Nick Foles, banged up through his injury, uh, banged up, kind of. His injury could have been a lot worse. Pre-injury, though, just kind of eh. The traditional stats are fairly middling. 202 of 311 passing, that's 65%, just over 1,800 yards, averaging 231 or so per game. 10 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Pretty math. Advanced stats, 27th in defense suggested yards above replacement, 27th in DVOA. Mitchell Trubisky, look, he's Mitchell Trubisky. Traditional stats, he's 51 of 86 in the four games he's played in this year. That's 58%, 58.1%. We're being completely fair. 560 yards so far. He's averaging 140 per game, six touchdowns, three interceptions. Advanced metrics-wise, he doesn't have enough passes to qualify, but if he did, he'd be 26th just ahead of Foles and DYAR, 32nd in DVOA. That would be 5th from last, I think, among qualified quarterbacks. Should be noted, the Bears are 3-0 and when Trubisky starts the game. Wins are not a quarterback stat, but they have won when he has played. Take that for whatever you will. It's entirely possible that the Bears could end up starting somebody else entirely, unsuddy. It might not be Foles. It might not be Trubisky. It might be Kyle Sloter or Tyler Bray. Both of them are on the practice squad, but look, I'm not going to waste your time talking about them. If the Bears get to the point where they're starting one of those two guys, we might as well treat this like a preseason game. Get to the second stringers by halftime because as good as the Bears defense is, and it is good, it's not going to be enough with either of those guys starting at quarterback. So where are the Bears strong, if anywhere? If you look at the Bears offense as a whole, Allen Robinson is really the only bright spot for the Bears. 65 catches, 755 yards, three touchdowns, good numbers. Those are good numbers. Nobody else on the Bears has more than 355 receiving yards so far. It's easy to feel bad for him as the lone good player on his unit, but you should not. Because here's what he said in the spring of 2018. Quote, with all things being equal, Chicago was a place I had my eyes on from a football standpoint. For me, going into the whole free agency process, Chicago was definitely a team I had my eye on from the standpoint that they had just hired Coach Matt Nagy. Coach Nagy was a big part of it. I'm a big fan of his system and his offense. There is definitely a lot of talent on that team. They brought it this past year, so I think if they bring it again, they will definitely be in contention as far as competing down the line in January, end quote. That quote is relevant because he had another offer from the Green Bay Packers, and he decided that the Bears had more talent, and that's where he wanted to go. Don't feel bad for Allen Robinson. Where, then, are the Bears vulnerable? I don't know. Take your pick. The Bears are not a great offense. They don't have a running back outside of Tariq Cohen, who is injured, who's averaging anything sort of resembling respectable numbers. They don't have any good receivers other than Allen Robinson. They're deciding between a hurt Nick Foles and a hurt Mitch Trubisky or a not hurt Tyler Bray or Kyle Sloter. What do you want? What do you want? The Packers are probably going to play career day roulette again, and it still probably won't matter. Who should we know about then on the Bears offense? Let's talk about Jimmy Graham because it's kind of funny to talk about Jimmy Graham. The Bears saw two years of Jimmy Graham in Green Bay and said, yes, we would like some of that. So they signed him to a two-year $16 million deal, and so far he's caught 35 passes for 302 yards and five touchdowns. Five touchdowns is respectable, got to give him that, but averaging 8.6 yards per catch when your entire game is athleticism that's not getting it done. Projected to a full season, Jimmy Graham's stats this year are roughly the same as what Richard Rodgers produced in 2015. And I think anytime you can pay a guy a contract worth on average $8 million a year to get approximately the best season of Richard Rodgers, you got to do it. You you just got to do it. Anytime you can have that opportunity, that's what you want to do. Welcome to the we signed Jimmy Graham and it was a bad idea club, Chicago Bears. What about the Packers' offense versus the Bears' defense, though? Where is the Bears' defense strong? Well, it's pretty much everywhere. The Bears have a very admirable defense. They're good against the pass, they're good against the run, and they've kept the Bears on their own strength in more than a few games. Through 10 games, the Bears have yet to give up more than 26 points. In six of 10 games, their opponent has scored 23 points or less. Two other times, they've scored 24 I don't really know what else you want from your defense at that point. The Bears' defense is holding up their end of the bargain here. They are doing the best they possibly can. It's just it it doesn't count for anything because the Bears' offense is so bad. If you're looking for a vulnerability on the Bears' defense, good luck finding one. Even turnovers— isn't that much of a weakness compared to last year. Bears don't force a ton over ton of turnovers. They're ranked 19th in the league right now. Normally, you'd say that's not very good, but that's even better than they did last year. They were 26, or 22nd in the league last year. I spoke with Jeff Berkus of Windy City Gridiron, as we do with the, the Q&A. You can find that on acnepackingcompany.com. Uh, right now, it should be up by the time you're seeing this or hearing this uh, about their offense, about their defense. I asked what the Packers should do to attack the Bears defense. He said this, while the Bears have been much better in recent weeks, even better than they were before, they have given up a lot of chunk plays in the running game. Stick to a balanced attack, be patient, and take the points when they're there. I think that's a pretty good approach. Don't go overly conservative, but just know that you probably are going to get an opportunity to get points and get them when you can, because the Bears offense probably isn't going to produce all that much either. Who should we know about on the Bears defense then? I asked Jeff this as well. He said Jalen Johnson, their rookie cornerbacks. He says Johnson looks good overall as a rookie. He's among the league leaders in pass breakups and passer rating against. Having said that, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers will find a way to roast him, but he's got a short memory, has been mighty impressive this year. If the Bears can keep that secondary together and maybe add an agent of chaos type at safety opposite Eddie Jackson, they could really lead this team into the future, end quote. The details on Jalen Johnson, he was taken 50th overall this spring out of Utah, 6 feet tall, 193 pounds, relative athletic score of 7.77 and nothing that's really going to wow you in any of his testing numbers. But overall, that's pretty good athleticism. 8 is the cutoff in those numbers. for elite athletes. That's what they, they qualify there as as elite athletes. So he's just under elite athlete status, but I like that size-athleticism combination. If you're not going to be an elite athlete, it helps to have above average size, and he does have that. However, he does have an ankle injury too, so he may not ultimately end up playing, but it's worth keeping an eye on. That's something you should be aware of regardless. The most depressing thing about Jalen Johnson is that he was born in 1999, and I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around that. Anyway, in terms of the stats that we track, production ratio and ball hawks, keep an eye on this. Uh, production ratio, this is kind of hilarious, but also kind of scary, because they don't have an edge rusher or even a defensive lineman leading here. The leader in production ratio right now is inside linebacker Roquan Smith, a production ratio of 1.7. That is amazing. He has 15 tackles for loss and two sacks. What a great player. Khalil Mack has a production ratio of 1.45, still really good. Although I do wonder, given their issues on offense, if they'd rather have the draft picks at this point. Akeem Hicks, their interior defensive lineman, has a ratio of 1.05. That's really good for an interior DL. He's big and strong and scary and big and strong and scary. Just stay away from Akeem Hicks as much as you can. And finally rounding out their top four is Bilal Nichols, another interior DL who has a production ratio of 0.7 so far this year. Again, more real good work from the interior of their defensive line. Packers have their work cut out for them there. In ballhawks, Jalen Johnson, the rookie, leads the way with 13. All of them passes defense, no interceptions so far this year. Khalil Mack next on the list with 11.5, then Kyler Fuller with 10. I can still see why the Packers would have been interested there. Finally, Roquan Smith. Again, proving to be an excellent all-around player, has eight ball hawk, five passes, defensive, fumble forced, and two sacks. When did the Packers and Bears last get together? Week fifteen, two thousand nineteen. Packers came in at eleven and three. Bears were at seven and six. Very little to play for on either side here. The Packers were playing for playoff seating. The Bears were playing for, I think, but don't check me on this, an extremely long-shot wild card bid. That is the best possible spin you can put on that game. Not a very exciting premise. 11 degrees at kickoff. Mitchell Trubisky goes 29 of 53 passing for 334 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Picks were by Jair Alexander and Dean Lowry. Aaron Rodgers, not a lot better, admittedly. He was uh, right in the middle of his late season kind of slowdown. He went 16 of 33 passing for 203 yards and a touchdown. Kenny Clark was really in the midst of his late-season Kenny Clark thing, had two sacks, and Rashawn Gary also had his second and final sack of his rookie season. So who's going to win? Who's going to lose here? Packers should probably win this game. No, they should definitely win this game. And they probably will win this game. But let's talk about paths to victory here. The Packers just have to execute. Basically, they have to have the non-loss kind of higher octane version of their Vikings game plan. They were conservative in that game to their detriment, I think. So don't do any 16 play drives if you can avoid it. Just get down the field, get the points that are presented to you. Don't overthink it on defense. Try to get after whatever quarterback they have out there. Just don't screw this up. Don't screw it up and you should come out with a win. And as simplistic as that sounds, like, just staying out of your own way has proven to be a bit of an issue for the Packers over the last two or three weeks. But I think they can do it against the, the Bears. But what about the Bears? If the Bears can keep the Packers under 25 points, if they can play and win career day roulette, they might have a shot here. And if that career day comes from someone other than Alan Robinson, just his normal contributions might be enough to keep the Bears around. And if the Bears can stick around and have hope, and keep it within a score or so into the fourth quarter, you never know what, you, what can happen. Other than the Packers, chaos is my favorite NFL team. Just seeing what weird stuff happens week in and week out. Normally, I hate it when chaos plays against the Packers, but if I was a Bears fan, chaos would be exactly what I would be trying to cause here. Because if you can stick around and keep it close until late, you never know what can happen. If it comes down to one drive or two drives, you've got a shot. And that's what the Packers want to avoid. Take the Bears out of this as soon as you can. Don't overextend yourself, but make sure they're not hanging around late. Polls are not quite complete yet. We just started running those this morning. But as of vo- as of right now, 73 people have voted in our will the Packers beat the Bears on Sunday question. 90.4% say yes. That's pretty good. That's up way up from last year or last week, excuse me. Uh, We were at 55% about uh, by the time the poll was all said and done as to whether or not the Packers would beat the Colts. And ultimately, they did not beat the Colts. What do you think? Let us know. Do you think the Packers are going to win? Do you think they're going to lose? How is this one going to shake out? How disappointed will you be if the Packers don't come out on top? I think if, um, if the Packers don't win, this is a reconsider the entire season to this point kind of game. The The loss to the Buccaneers was bad, but not entirely unacceptable. Buccaneers are a good team. Kind of same goes for the Colts. The loss to the Vikings was bad, but the Vikings have a lot of good pieces. They've got a good head coach. You can at least see how it would happen. The The Vikings are good enough that if they jump up and bite you, okay, sure, fine. The Bears With their quarterback situation right now, with as bad as their offense has been throughout the season as a whole, if the Packers were to lose, you've kind of got to put everything else the Packers have done in an entirely different context because it kind of invalidates everything that they've done so far. Yes, the Bears' defense is good, but the Packers' offense still should be able to move the ball enough to get a win over this Bears' offense, over the rest of the Bears' team that just isn't any good. Yes, the Packers' defense has been porous, but if they can't shut down a Bears team that was bad before both of their quarterbacks really got hurt, then I don't know what else you want to do here. What can you really say that's going to make you feel better about the Packers' defense? Fortunately, the Packers should win here, and we shouldn't have to have these conversations. We should be able to enjoy a Packers' victory in prime time, to cap off a long holiday weekend. Hopefully, it's a long holiday weekend for you. I'm blessed to be able to have a couple of days off here in addition to the normal weekend. We will see you after the Bears game. Hopefully, to celebrate the Packers game. Hopefully, to celebrate a win over the Bears. That's what I was trying to say. We'll see you after the Bears lose in prime time against the Packers. Hopefully, that's not a bad omen. There, we're going to leave it in though, because we don't believe in bad omens. If you enjoyed this show, go ahead and share it with somebody else you think would benefit from it. We're going to keep growing this conversation we're having around the Packers, and ultimately, together, hopefully all become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Mierdink. We'll see you next time after the Packers beat the Bears on Blue 58.